those these types of things are are what life what makes life so interesting and fun and joyful they they make life an adventure these are the types of things that i live for like we're going on this vacation on sunday we're going to drive for 20 hours and most people look at us like we have two heads when we tell them that our children are going to be in the back of the car for 20 hours and we tell them no we've done this so many times that they love it we just have fun we go to chick-fil-a and we and we eat food we shouldn't eat and we watch movies and well i don't watch the movies i'm driving but i hear the movies and we play music and sing songs and and yeah of course kids fight and and have to go to the bathroom the minute you pull out of the place of course that all happens but it's so much fun life is 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 precious and by precious i mean it's 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 a rarity to enjoy it in the capacity that god has given it given uh, it to us. Um, Jesus said he, he came to give us life and life more abundant. I have to believe that nobody on this planet should enjoy life like the Christian. If God has come to give us life and life abundant, that means we're going to endure, yes, we're going to endure sufferings like nobody else. You know, if, if a couple comes in and says, hey, we lost a child, we're going to suffer with them unlike the rest of the world. We're going to come alongside them. We're going to love them. That's still life more abundant. That's more life than we want to handle. But that means when, when somebody graduates high school, when somebody gets married, when somebody has a baby, when, when people just close on buying their first house, when, when they find that thing in their house that was lost, you ever have that happen? I mean, we're just going to rejoice. Oh, man, this is great. When someone gives us a gift, oh, this is awesome. When our favorite program is not interrupted by the president, we're going to be like, yes. When Netflix finally puts on season four or season five of your favorite show, and you're just going to watch 12 episodes in a row because, hey, you can. Like, that's, oh, life is amazing. Isn't life just amazing? The other day I had, had friends come over, and, and, and they challenged my son to, to play football on the, on the PlayStation, and my son won. And this guy's like 30. And I was like, yes! Like I'm, I was like, Sarah says, you look like you're walking around like a peacock. Like, no, I'm fine. I'm not a big deal. Inside I'm going, yes, he beat him! Like, that's my boy! Life! Now, life can be bad. I get that. But life can also be very, very, very good, and God has given us life we are breathing we are our hearts are beating our 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 blood is pumping we are alive genesis chapter 1 verse 26 because we are talking about the bible and jesus let's bring it back then god said let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth Verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. Excuse me. You shall have them for food, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, and the sixth day. 
at creation, man was created in God's own image. God created us. We are uh, every person, every whether they end up going to be with, with Jesus for all of eternity or whether they suffer in hell for all of eternity, they were born in, created in the likeness of God. That doesn't mean we're little gods. That doesn't mean we're, God, we're gods too or that we are God. It means that, that we bear the mark of God. In the same way that in the book of Revelation, uh, the people who oppose God will bear a mark, the mark of the beast. We read about that's really that's not Satan's invention. That's just Satan copycatting or being a copycat of what God has already done. He is not original. He does not have an original thought, so he has to copy God. He wants to be like the Most High God. So, so what's he do? He creates a mark that people have to wear, much like the mark that these people were created with the mark that that we bear whether we're the lowest of the low or we're the top of the totem pole we bear this resemblance of God this mark of God and even as victims of the fall we still bear this even though because of the fall it's 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 cracked if you will or, or shifted or um, it's like a house that's slightly askew you, know, you ever been in a house that's just slightly askew the walls are just a little still a house still walls but Things are a little crooked. Now, things are a little not quite – things need to shift back to where they once were. Now, we live in a world that's fallen, and because of the fall, everything's broken and cracked and, and, and shifted. Nothing's quite exactly the way it's supposed to be. Praise God Jesus comes back one day. Looking forward to this day, hoping it's today, but we'll see. Where he comes back and not just restores the things that have been broken, but makes things brand new. Book of Revelation, behold, I come to make things new brand new and we have the new heavens and the new earth and and uh, praise god that this is not all we have to hope for as great as this is this is not all that we have to hope for because if this is all we had to hope for that's not much to get you know hopeful about we are living alive as god is alive as well jesus is the son of the living god our God is alive. When Jesus was confronted about um, who his father was and, and where he came from, um, and, when, and when they were asking him about being given in marriage and things like that, Jesus responded, God is not God of the dead, but God of the living. He, he, he retorted, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing a lot of this, but he talked about being the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, 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 he, and Jesus said, you know, they're not dead. They're dead in this life. They're dead to this world, but they still exist. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob have just gone to be with the Father. You know, when we die, we just cease to exist on earth as a physical body. We don't die. We go to either an eternity in hell where we continue, or we go to be in heaven for eternity where we continue. We have been given life because the God who created us is the epitome of life and being alive. So life must be appreciated. We can't just take it for granted. You know, it's cliche to say, well, you know, I woke up and I praise God for my breath and blah, blah. As cliche as that is, it's the truth. That's how cliches become cliches. They're, they're the truth. Honestly, just being able to breathe and to be alive um, – can't be taken for granted. You know when we, we most appreciate breathing? When we can't. 
when you go through some type of an attack and you, or or you can't breathe, oh man, then you start to appreciate breath. I uh I got sick like two years ago. I got a really bad uh I don't know if it was strep throat. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was three years ago now. And my my throat was swollen, and they gave me medicine, and it didn't work. And and so I had an appointment to go back the next day, and I went to sleep that night. And all night I was suffocating. My throat was almost closed up, and 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 if I if my tongue went back there, or too much saliva in my mouth, it was like, oh, and I just oh, and I wake up gasping for air. <gasps> I go back to sleep. And it's at that point you're scared. Like, do I even go back to sleep? I'm a heavy sleeper, so I'm like, yeah, I'm going back to sleep. And I wake up again. <gasps> and it was the worst. I never wish that on anybody. And so if you've been through that, you understand how, how, how much of a, a privilege it is just to breathe and, and, and just appreciate the life that God has given us. Turn to Colossians chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 15. Now, like I said before, as Christians, we have the best not just a better understanding but the best understanding of what it means to be given life to to, to be alive and and to have ability to to not just um exist but to thrive and to live we have a zeal for life that should just put to shame the world it's it's one of the great greatest evangelistic tools we have to to go into the midst of of the world and, and even with our problems and our, our burdens and our baggage, we can still appreciate and love the life that God has given us and, and watch people marvel at us and say, why, why are you so happy? And, you, you know, well, it's not happiness. It's joy. Joy of the Lord is my strength, blah, blah, blah. It's, an, it's a way to just remind people that, that Jesus is the reason why I feel the way I feel right now. I'm not super excited because I can't pay my bills. I'm not super excited because I'm sick. I'm not super excited because um, of this or that. I, I'm just filled with the joy that the Lord gives me. Galatians 5 says that the fruit of the Spirit is joy. A, a deep-seated uh, sense of the reality that God is for us and not against us. Colossians 1 and 15 says he is, that's Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Praise God for the cross of Jesus and what it brings back to us. But Colossians 1 and 15 is a reminder that you weren't just created, you were created for Jesus. See, we are to understand that Jesus is here and we are under. He has redeemed us and all that, but but still, he serves us, yet is still over us. And we were created, that means even non-believers were created for Jesus. They just haven't got there yet. They haven't got to the place where they understand and know Jesus. But they were still created. All things were created. That means 
That means the mountains. That means the, the oceans. That means our children. That means animals. And, and everything that we read about in the book of Genesis chapter 1 was created not just through Jesus, but for Jesus. You have the ability to enjoy life because God has given you life so that you can live for Jesus, so that Jesus can be preeminent above all things. And that is reconciled. See, it's not we're apart at birth, but through the cross of Jesus, it comes back together. It's reconciled. And this weekend, we're going to celebrate the cross of Jesus, and we're going to celebrate the reconciliation made possible by the cross. It, it, the cross stands at the center of human history. It, it is that thing that God has done to connect us all back together, back to him, back to each other. Without the cross, we have none of it. This is why we believe that life is sacred. This is why most Christians, not all, but most Christians uh, are adamantly against things like abortion. Because a child's life needs an advocate, needs somebody uh, who can stand up and say, no, that, that child's life, first of all, you didn't make it happen. Somebody else did. God did. And they have the reason, they have a right to live just like you do. And the same reason I can't take your life, I shouldn't be able to take their life, whether they're inside the womb or outside of the womb. It's a baby. It's a life. Well, what about the death penalty? Well, what about the death penalty? They took a human life. And if their state says they want to take their life, then they shouldn't be taking lives. And the baby did nothing. See, now we're going to be on a tangent here. <laughs> the baby didn't kill somebody to, to warrant being killed. Now, so how can, we best, how can we best do this? How can we best glorify Jesus or, or, or live for Jesus through the life that God has given us? And the first uh, makes me a huge hypocrite. The first is through health. And see, one of the, one of the, the fun things about being a pastor is that most of the time you're first in line for being a hypocrite. You get to tell people to do stuff that you yourself are failing at. And so health is one way that we can um, glorify Jesus with the life that he's given us. We can, we can eat healthy. We can exercise, do things like that. Now, I'm not saying we start running a 5K or you know, bench press 500 pounds or eat lettuce for the rest of our life. What I'm saying is, is being healthy, eating right. And, and like I already said, um, this is very difficult for me. Um, I could tell you a thousand ways to lose weight. I just can't seem to get one to stick. Just to be dead honest with you. At the same time, my hypocrisy does not change the truth. And that's the thing about hypocrisy that most people, most Christians flinch at. If somebody calls them a hypocrite, they're, oh, they get so scared and they just run away. Okay, I'm a hypocrite, but that doesn't change the truth. I might I might tell you to do things that I myself am failing at, but that's because I know they're the truth and I want to do them. And if, if you find yourself in the hypocritical camp, that's okay. It's because you know the truth. Well, it's not okay. Let's get out of that camp. But what I mean is don't be afraid of that. Just realize, yes, I have a, a standard set by the Lord, and occasionally the perfect mark that he has set, I fail to reach. And so it's not a reason to shrink away. It's a reason to say, hey, tomorrow let's strive for better. Let's let's regroup, let's recoup, and let's let's get back at doing this. Serving others. Serving others is important. The reason why we have it on that banner is Jesus asked Peter, 
you know, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, servitude is not the same as being a slave. And some people get that mixed up. Some people think if I'm just at everybody's beck and call and at their whim, then I'm serving. Not necessarily. That's what slaves do. Serving is seeking to honor Jesus by helping others, by loving them, by showing them that, gosh, you were served by Christ and you want to serve others. It doesn't mean that you're, you're their slave. It just means that you love them enough to help them in certain things. It doesn't mean you, you buy all their groceries, but it might mean you make them a meal. Doesn't mean you become their best friend, but maybe they come over for tea or coffee. Maybe you don't give them everything you have, but you know that there's a need and you try to help them out. Maybe it's serving through teaching. Maybe it's serving just through, hey, you shouldn't be doing that. It's not cool. I don't think Jesus would appreciate that. I could be wrong. But hey, let's talk about this. Let's, let's get into conversation about that. You know, it's it's serving our community by by um and one of the big debates, and I don't want to get into it tonight, one of the big debates in Christianity is about global warming. And um, th there seems to be such a hard line written where you choose one side or the other. And my mentality has always been this. Um, I'm going to try not to litter. I'm going to not throw motor, or motor, motor oil <laughs> down my kitchen sink. I'm going to recycle. I'm going to not just turn my car on and then just leave it there for an hour. I, I'm going to reduce my emissions. I'm going to reduce uh, how much I use. I'm going to try to reuse things rather than just throw them away and, and, and just go buy something brand new. I can care less about global warming and, and whether it is or not and the debate that comes around that. How about if I just take care of the earth that God has given me? How about if I start there? That's always been my approach and always been my, my point. But I can serve others through doing that. When I recycle, when I give uh, in that way, and I don't mean just with like cans and bottles, but you know, plastics and papers and that sort of thing, I, I am doing my small part as minute as it might be on a global scale. I am doing my part to serve others by reducing pollution and that sort of thing. Um, I have the great privilege to be able to, to teach. You know, for me, that's... It's I, I get I feel I'm filled with so much joy to be able to just impart some of the the stuff that I've learned. You know, we are called to serve, and and in so doing, we're we are um, we are honoring Christ. Sorry, it was in my notes. I missed it. But in teaching, that was my original thought. Um, it, it's my joy to be able to share with people like John or anybody. Some of the things that I've learned that I've been through to to help them see Jesus. I I fully realize I'm the clay pot with with the message from God that that it, He's the one to be looked at. But I, what a privilege! And some of you have that that ability, but kind of shrink away from it. And you shouldn't. You should share the wisdom that God has given you. It might not be pertinent at the time. It might come up later where that person needs that thing, but. Man, God has given us all wisdom that we can share. Maybe it's not maybe it's not wisdom about the Bible. Maybe it's just wisdom on how to jump a car or change a tire. Maybe it's how to cook a certain type of fruit or vegetable or, or, or meat or you know, you ever go to the grocery store and just look at something and say, What is this and how do I make it? There's people who know how to do that. And if you're one of those people, man, you gotta be sharing that. 
It's one of the things I love about like Pinterest and, and Facebook. You see people do – I looked up the other day how to make soap. I could go home and make soap right now if I wanted to because somebody shared their knowledge on how to take shea butter and coconut oil and olive oil and essential oils and make your own soap. That's cool. You know, there's tons of little things I've learned how to do because somebody has shared their info with me or shared their knowledge with me. That's that's serving somebody. And with a thing like Pinterest, nobody sometimes nobody's asking, but sometimes people are. And so learning how to do stuff is 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 another way I think to honor God. Now, you ever have people just tell you they're bored? I'm not even talking about kids. They're bored. But what do you mean you're bored? Like I could go anywhere I want right now. Like I could just drive and be in Pennsylvania. I don't know why I'd go to Pennsylvania, but I could be in Pennsylvania by the end of the night. I could go to Canada. I don't know why I'd go to Canada either. I could, and if not that, I could just go to Denny's. I mean, Denny's is gross, but I could go there. You know, I, I could get on the internet and learn anything. I could do anything. I could try anything. I could cook with quinoa. Anybody know what quinoa is? You, Because you're vegan. You know what quinoa is. Used to be vegan. Well, you have vegan tendencies. <laughs> it's still quinoa. It's It's an acquired taste, but it's... It it can be unless you learn and go on the internet. How can I literally go to Google? How do I make quinoa not nasty? You will find well the nasty part might get you in trouble, but how do I make it not disgusting? That's probably a best better way to put it. Um, and you will find a recipe that somebody has tried a thousand times, and it'll say do this, do that, boil this, take it off, and you well oh, it's actually it's actually good. I made a uh, fried rice out of cauliflower the other day. I replaced the rice with cauliflower. It was hard, but it was fun. Like, I learned it. All right. So, maybe you haven't lived with zeal for life as maybe you have. Granted, there are times where, where we just get drug through, dragged through the mud, right? I mean, life is just hard. And you get up and you just you don't want to. You have to, but you know everything that the the day is going to bring to you. And it's like, oh, I want to do this, or maybe somebody's sick, or maybe somebody's hurting, or maybe people are arguing, and, and life can be hard. And, and I don't want to. This is not a turning a blind eye from that. I mean, we have to face those things, but this is also at the same time realizing there's great joy to be found in life. And sometimes it's harder to find than other times, but but it's still there. So. The first thing we have to do is repent. God has, in, in just a brief 40 minutes, opened our eyes back up to the joy that we can be experiencing. The joy that, that even in the face of trial and tribulation says, you know what, I have Jesus, I'm going to be okay. I have Jesus, life could be a whole lot worse. Because I, I have to believe, you know, as, as a dad of a child with cancer, the only thing worse than having a child with cancer is not having Jesus. And having a child with cancer. And praise God, he's in remission and will be done soon and all that. But my point is this. I look at some people who are going through just devastating times of their lives, and I know they don't have Christ, and I think to myself, how are they making it? What are they – how are they sustaining? And sometimes you find out drugs, alcohol, pornography, sex, work, avoidance, um, everything and anything except Jesus. And you know that those things are just going to all end badly. 
And so we we have an opportunity to repent. The grace of God gives us opportunity to repent. And now we have the ability to, I call it protect life. You see, the first thing you're going to do, and you guys all know this, whether you're on Facebook or not, whether you've lived a few years or, or a lot of years, that the moment you have joy, someone comes to steal it. Satan comes to steal it first and foremost. But the world, you ever have those people when you share you, you share good news and they just want to just knock you down? They just they just want to make sure you're not too happy. Like they're just the worst. When I first met Sarah, I remember telling a coworker of mine, and I was just, you know, I was just in love and all this other business and and this is always awkward to share because her parents are right here, but it is um I'm just trying to – and she's like, oh, you're just in your pink fluffy stage. I'm like, what are you talking about? There's nothing pink or fluffy about me. Like, what are you talking about? Like, oh, it's just that thing that everybody goes through when they first get together. You're an idiot. I'm going to kick you in the forehead. I wasn't really walking with Christ at the time. Um, I, just, I don't like you anymore. <laughs> like that's my instant reaction. I don't like you anymore. And I walked away, and I remember that thinking, she's wrong. This is not – this is not what she's talking about. And 15 years later, or, wait, let me get the math right. Dan, you're going to have to edit this too. Um, <laughs> before Sarah here, here's it, 1999. This is 15. So we're looking at 17 years now. 16 years? Math is hard. 16 years. 16 years of being together, 14 years of being married as of June 2nd. See, I know that. Um, my point is this. People just want to take your joy away from you. Oh, you're happy? Well, that's going to end. Well, then you go away. It'll last longer with you not around. You know, fine. Well, you 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 know you got this or you got that, but it'll go. Who cares? I'm just gonna enjoy it now and you know quit being such a gloomy gus. Sorry, I don't mean to use colorful language, but <laughs> but I want us to first repent and then allow the Lord to to make us vulnerable to just enjoy life. Because some of us, we're, we're, there's that aspect, but then there's afraid that we're going to lose something. If you hold everything with an open hand, you'll never lose anything. Because things will just come in and go out. Come in and go out. God will give. God will take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Something else comes in. Something else goes. It's when we try to hold on to it, including life. We just try to hold on to our life. No, Lord, don't take it. And we lose it. God says you give up your life. You get his. You get life, life more abundant. So let's pray. Then we'll take prayer requests and we'll do all that. Jesus, we repent. We thank you first for your grace to, to be able to repent, to, to even see our own folly, Lord. And all of us, myself included, I've talked a big game here tonight, Lord, but there's as many times of great joy as there are times where I'm just in despair and, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm hopeless, Lord. And where someone comes in to try to steal my joy, and, and sometimes they're successful. And so, Father, I, I, I'm repenting, and we're repenting. Because life is a precious thing. Life is a good thing. And life is hard, and, and at times it can be uh, an uphill battle where seemingly days run into each other, and we just don't know when it's going to end. But we know, Lord, that you are good. We know, Lord, that, that you have given us life, and you have given us your life. And you have died upon a cross to give us life and life more abundantly. That you have reconciled all things to you through the cross of your son, Jesus. And so, Father, we, we come to you now asking for your help to protect this life you've given us. 
that nobody, Satan, the world, sin, would not come in to steal this joy that you have given us. You know, in the book of Nehemiah, when, when the people are coming into Jerusalem and they're, they're celebrating, they, they proclaim the joy of the Lord is our strength. Lord, the joy that you give to us is not just happiness, but it's, it's strength in us. It, it, it helps us to endure those hard times that inevitably come. The joy that surpasses all understanding, the, the ability to rejoice when, when, when really we have no earthly reason to. As we look forward to, to Sunday and Resurrection Sunday and the cross of Jesus, we always have that, Lord. And we, we never lose sight of that. Help us to live life and to not just, not just look past the bad things, Lord, but in the midst of those things. Rejoice that, that we were counted amongst the, the called, that we were counted amongst the forgiven, that we are, our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that we are children of God, and that nobody could ever steal that away from us, that we will be yours forever, that we will never be forsaken or forgotten or left behind, that we are yours and you are ours, and that's the way it will be for eternity. Help us, Lord, to never lose sight of these things. And Jesus, again, we praise you. Without you, we have none of this. And may we be able to share this message with, with the people of our community, the people at our workplace, the people that we live with. May they be able to see a joy that surpasses their understanding. And may we be able to tell them that it's because of our friend Jesus and what he's done for us. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.